0: If you've got money on Binance, or if you're a Binance user, you want to watch this show. That's all I'm going to say. Let's do it. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch, go. Get up, get up, a bitch get up back guys and if you do have money on binance you want to watch the show trust me you want to watch the show till the end there's a lot going on we're going to discuss a lot it's um it's huge the, the news here is huge we're going to discuss it then we're going to make a decision as to whether this is real fud or whether this is anything to worry about um yeah that's pretty much the story here today i mean the binance is the biggest story um in terms of the market boring market really boring market but I think today is the last day of boredom uh, and I'm going to tell you why I think today is the last day of boredom and I'm going to tell you which way I think it's going to go and why I think it's going to go that way got lots of altcoin news for you guys tons and tons of altcoin news um okay, we're going to mention FTX again and that's because I think the FTX story is actually l- linked to the Binance story which we're going to talk about and it's getting scary out there let me tell you it's getting scary out there um I guess that is it. So listen, what you need to do is subscribe to the channel. What I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you the highest alpha per show, uh, highest alpha per minute show on the interwebs. Uh, Remember, we want to get to 600,000 subscribers by December. That is the best, best, best. Christmas present that you guys can give us. So if you're not subscribed, subscribe to the channel. If you are subscribed, just help us by liking this content, sharing it with your friends. Help us get unshadow banned because we keep getting shadow banned because we keep exposing the mainstream media. And I don't like the, t- the fact that we're exposing them. So what do they do? They complain to YouTube. And when they complain to YouTube, we get shadow banned. And then you help us get unshadow banned because you're the best community in the world. All right, let's look at where we are today. So no movements on Bitcoin, like basically no heartbeat. Uh, same thing with the NASDAQ. NASDAQ is pretty much uh, no heartbeat. But let me tell you that this is temporary and it's going to end tomorrow. So this is the last day of no heartbeat on crypto and on the stock markets. And after tomorrow, it's going to be absolutely crazy. And it's not only me telling you. If you look at the charts and specifically you look at the Bitcoin volatility chart, which is called the Bitcoin historical volatility index, every time the volatility index goes below a certain point or whenever it touches this white line over here, there is volatility. And right now the Bitcoin volatility index is touching that line, which indicates that we're gonna get huge volatility. Now it can be volatility up and it can be volatility down. So big disclaimer, price can go up and price can go down. Last couple of times, the price has gone down. Um, If Binance is next, if if Binance is not fully collateralized, that would indicate that the next move is gonna be down. Um, that's what we're going to be discussing today. Um, I also said to you guys that I think a lot of us, a lot of people in this industry, not of us, but a lot of people in this industry are going to leave because of the boredom of the bear market, because the bear market becomes super, super, super demotivating. And I think that if you've made it here today and you're still here, then I think it would be crazy for you to give up. And I'll show you why. I think this is a, a good tweet. It says, the 13 to 15 bear market was 411 days. From the peak of the 17 bull market to the 18 bottom was 358 days. We are now at 394 days since the 21 peak. If we haven't bottomed by, if we haven't bottomed by Christmas, this will be the longest bear market in history. And Christmas is not, is not a long way away. Christmas is like two weeks away, right? It's, what, what's the day today? So to 12. So 12, so Christmas is, well, less than, t- less than two weeks away. So hang in there and don't only hang in there, but I got this thing here from, I saw this thing from Kobe and I think it's like, he, he did this about a year ago and I think it's important
1: that you listen to it now and you, you, you absorb it. But I, I do think the majority of people that don't make it are the people that lose interest between bull markets like people that have known about it from, from so far back who still haven't made it is because they, as soon as it gets frothy, it gets to the bull market, they, they rebuy the all-time high breakout. So they rebought at like 20K.
0: So most people are going to come here and they're going to rebuy the all-time high. And the reason why they're going to rebuy the all-time high is because they only get interested when the prices are going down. But if you're here, probably should congratulate yourself because you're not that
1: person. And they play the bull market. They like, they're a little bit naturally bearish and the bear market hits and they stay interested for about a year. And then towards the, the tail end, like late 20... 20- so this is the end of the year. 2018, 2019, they just naturally lose interest and they go, oh, this, this shit's over. I've got life commitments, whatever. And then they get back involved when it starts getting frothy again. And those are the people that are not going to make it. So if, you, if there is one piece of advice that I can give is like, find a way to remain the same level of interest that you have now when you check the chart every day, you like lose sleep over your positions, whatever the fuck you're doing, you over leveraged apes. Like you need to have the same level of interest when everything's really boring. Cause right now it's like, everyone's interested, right? Like my, uh, my, that's the key here. You need to have the same level of interest
0: when it becomes really boring and really demotivating. And that's what we've been trying to do here. We've been trying to keep you guys interested, not even not, um, not, Uh, only in the bull market, but also in the bear market. We've been trying to do things like Twitter spaces. We've been trying to do things like bringing you more live broadcasts, more giveaways, more fun, keeping you guys more interested in the bear market because this is when it actually matters. In the bull market, you cannot make money. You cannot start moving things around in the bull market and hope to make money. Now is the time that you have to focus. I'm not the only one that says it. You heard it now from Kobe. That was something that Kobe did a year ago exactly in the peak of the bull market. He came out and said that, and I, I I can't agree with him more. And if you are here, you have to take a minute to congratulate yourself and say, so, you know, you've survived what will probably be the longest Bitcoin and crypto bear market. You've survived that on the back of a, a global economic collapse. You've also survived that against the background of like a whole lot of other things that have happened, which are completely the, the biggest events that have happened in, in crypto. So if you're still here... Um, don't think of giving up now. This is when it counts. This is when you should be more focused. This is when we'll bring you more Twitter spaces. This is when we'll bring you a stream now. I'm doing DCA later. Tomorrow, we've got big news for you guys. In fact, let's look at the, the week ahead. And it's going to be a week that is filled with volatility. I said this to you guys last week. This is, should be no surprise. But now we're seeing it coming out in the chart. So what is happening this week? It's, it's a huge week. Tomorrow, inflation data, CPI. We're looking for a CPI number under 7.3%. The expectation is 7.3%. So let's just see where that ties up relative to the rest of the, of the CPIs. The last CPI print that we got was 7.7. The forecast was 8, which is why everybody celebrated. But tomorrow, the forecast is 7.3. So they're expecting it to come down quite a bit. So here's how it plays out tomorrow. Uh, here's how it's going to play out tomorrow. Let me just find that for you. Okay. If we get below 7.3 or we get 7.3, markets rally. If we get 7.4-ish, I think we'll be okay. Uh, If we get above 7.5, I think we're in trouble. Then the next day, we have the Fed FOMC meeting. Um, Let's look at what the Fed FOMC meeting is. Right now, 75% chance of a 50 basis point rate hike again, I'm putting my neck out there. Most people wouldn't put their neck out there. I'm saying we're getting an inflation reading of 7.4, 7.5% tomorrow, and we're getting 50 basis point uh, inflation rate hike. What we do know is that every single time that we have had, we have gone into a CPI print, the market has had volatility. And on average, the move is 3% up or down. The market has been practically without a heartbeat for who knows how long, about a week. Bitcoin has been without a heartbeat for, for much longer than that. In fact, let's quickly go to the Bitcoin chart. <clears throat> I'm losing my voice from Fred's wedding. It's all Fred's wedding. So you can see since the 8th of November, which is a month ago, we've had Bitcoin hovering in this range. And now it's time for Bitcoin to break out of this range. I think it's going to break out tomorrow or the next day when this macroeconomic news uh, comes out. And again, as I say, what I think is going to happen, inflation 7.3, 7.4. Market celebrates. I think um, if we get below 7.3, market really, really, really celebrates. And then 50 basis point rate hike coming up uh, the next day. Um, I think Elon says Elon says that if the Fed raise rates again, the recession will be greatly amplified. I think there's no way the Fed doesn't raise rates. That's nothing, That's nothing there's no chance that that's going to happen. So as I said to you guys, we're trying to keep you more interested um see everyone says everyone says look at the lighting on runs here see it's all red i, I, I did tell you guys this and purple. and purple that's the problem you guys have messed with my studio but don't worry i'll fix it yeah i'll fix it for you hold on let me fix it there we go how's that better much better much better there we go okay it's not perfect we'd have to work for today until jimmy fixes it for us tomorrow um the one thing about the hair is that there's one hair that keeps doing its own thing here we have to we have to fix the one here that's doing its own thing. Okay, um, so tomorrow we're going to bring you live the CPI print. Okay, then after that, you know who's testifying? SBF decided that he is actually going to testify. I think he's scared of getting the subpoena. This says, I still don't have much access to much of a data, professional, personal, so there is a limit to what I'd be able to say, and I won't be as helpful as I'd like. But as the committee still thinks this would be useful, I'm willing to testify on the 13th. So he is going to testify i think he's going to testify because he's very scared of the subpoenas and stuff like that but i think in the testimony he's going to be i really hope uh, so wait when you're talking to reporters when you're talking to youtubers when you're talking to 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 stuff like that you can lie that's okay you can lie you can say listen i wasn't under oath. when you go in front of congress best you are briefed and you listen to exactly what your lawyer said and you don't lie, because if you do, you're gonna be in trouble. So I think that's what's gonna happen. I think he's gonna come here tomorrow and I think he's gonna be, for once, I really hope he's gonna listen to his lawyers. And they're gonna tell him that um, that he shouldn't say much. He should just say, I don't have a data, I don't have a data, I don't have a data. Now, let me know if you want us to stream the, the testimony live and watch it with you guys. If you do, we'll do it. Uh, if not, we won't do it. Just say yes or no in the comments. Um, and if you want us to do it, smash the like button so we know you want you like us here and you want us to know that. Um, the other person who's now being called to testify, and not by us but actually by senators, is um, Gary Gensler. So remember, I wrote that whole letter to Gary Gensler talking about how he's hasn't done a good job in crypto. Now Tom Emmer, who's who's been a real champion for us, he says uh, the caucus received information from several sources. FTX, as we've said repeatedly, was not one of them, that Gary Gensler's efforts to gather, to gather info on crypto companies was not targeted, intentional or clear, rather the SEC's requests were haphazard and unfocused. He declined to provide Congress with the information requested in the letter, which I've informed Congress of the apparent inconsistencies in Gensler's approach. Instead, Gensler decided to explain to Congress the role of the SEC's enforcement divisions. Long story short, Gary Gensler must testify before Congress and answer questions about the cost of his regulatory failure. It's, you know, you know, like a short squeeze. So now that's what Gary Gensler's feeling. It's a squeeze. He's getting squeezed. It's like a squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. He's going to eventually have to testify and he's going to have to answer some tough questions as to how the biggest fraud in in the financial world um, happened under his watch. That's what Gary Gensler is going to have to answer. The other people to me who have to answer are the mainstream media. The mainstream media really, really, really need to answer why they covered the collapse, like they covered the collapse. And it's not over. The mainstream media are still paid, still bought, still unreliable. And you know what they want now? I'll tell you what they want now. They want, now, they want you, if you had money on FTX, they want the court to dox the individual customers without actually caring about their safety, without caring about their safety, they want the New York Times, Bloomberg, uh, so the New York Times, which we know is bought by SPF, Bloomberg, the Financial Times, and Dow Jones have filed a motion to dox the confidential information of customers and personal information of individuals. So now, instead of protecting your integrity and your privacy, if you had money in FTX and if you did have money in FTX, on the one hand, I'm really sorry because no one should have lost money there. On the other hand, why didn't you listen to my tweet? Why didn't you? There was one tweet that I said, two million people saw the tweet before FTX went down, before FTX limited withdrawals. You should have listened. You should have listened. Anyway, so now this mainstream media, the blood hungry mainstream media, what do they want? They want a list of individuals to be made public so that everyone can see who's trading in crypto um, so that everyone, so that all your personal details can be exposed exactly like it happened with Celsius. Crazy, but that is what they're after. And it's the same mainstream media that we're protecting SPF. It's the same mainstream media that we're involved in. If you look, if you've been reading the Elon Musk Twitter files, And it feels like this mainstream media now are targeting Binance. You can feel it. You can feel that there's peak FUD on Binance. Now, I can't attest to whether Binance is solvent or not solvent. Obviously, I believe they are. But the mainstream media have clearly, clearly, clearly started an attack on Binance. And the problem with these attacks is that they are masters in creating FUD. Started off with the Wall Street Journal. Finance is trying to calm investors, but its finances remain a mystery. That's the headline. And it refers to a Mazar's report. Okay. Finance, uh, yeah, it talks about a Mazar's report um, around proof of reserves. And the problem with mainstream media once mainstream media attack you, once a Wall Street Journal publishes a piece, everybody has to write. So you see, Wall Street Journal publishes. This piece around the proof of reserves report, which was published by Mazars, then we got Investing.com also publishing an article. Binance proof of reserves raises doubts about elusive elusive. You're running on, on the screen. Just. I don't uh, what's up guys, Ryan's coming back on now. Let me just get my camera. Yeah Cool, he just got logged off for a second. He'll be back on shortly. So just just here he is Who knows why I got logged off anyway, who knows why I was logged off, but I am back. Let me just share my screen um, So you can see that w- when one media outlet publishes a, a report um, All the media outlets think it's okay to follow so Wall Street Journal starts and then Investing.com, and then Cointelegraph, and then they all start to write the same stuff. Even now, ZeroHead says, Binance alleged crypto audit failed. Not even its auditor would vouch for it. So let's look at what this story is actually about. What it's about is that Binance went to their auditor, which is Mazars, and asked Mazars to do a proof of reserves report. And what raised red flags for certain people is that, is that the report was not exactly an audit. So the reason, the issue with the report is that it was not exactly, exactly, exactly an audit. It was done on a methodology called AUP, which is agreed upon procedures. And the difference between AUP and an audit is that with an audit, the auditor does what they wanna do to confirm the fact that Binance is solvent. With an AUP, all they're saying is, under what we have told you to do, and what we've agreed upon that you should do, you should um, uh, you should please conduct this piece of work. Now, in this piece of work, this is where this is where everything uh, uh, where the fad uh, started. Okay, it says on the last page, of the Mazars letter was a brief called report details, which consisted of three numbers, each denominated in Bitcoin. One number was labeled customer liability report balance and showed. A balance of five hundred or six five hundred bitcoin. Another number labeled asset balance report showed five hundred eighty two thousand four hundred eighty six bitcoin, which meant that theoretically, according to this, they should have had five hundred ninety six five hundred ninety seven thousand six hundred two bitcoins, but they only had five hundred eighty two thousand four hundred eighty six, which means that there's a three uh, percent. Uh, uh, difference between what they should have had and what they had. And this is what is putting everything, uh, uh, is causing all this FUD. And you can see that everybody's jumped in on the FUD. So Mike Alfred comes out. We know that he's a constant FUDder. He said Binance didn't meet its one-to-one ratio of reserve to custom assets. In US dollar terms, based on Bitcoin's price at at the time, the liabilities would have been 9.68 billion, while the assets would have been 9.43 billion or about $245 million smaller. He's saying there's a $245 million hole in that. Then Jesse Powell, who is the founder of Kraken, I don't think he's, he's no longer the CEO of Kraken, but he's chiming. He says, big red flag for me is that this seems to be more of an attempt of proving collateral rather than proving reserves. They even admit to being solvent with regards to the actual asset owned versus token controlled. The collateral accounting trick is exactly how FTX played solvent as well. Okay, I'll give you a hint. This is just uh, easy stuff that obviously is not part of traditional proof of reserves. And he basically highlights a whole different things. He says, you know, they say that BTC, BTCB, and BBTC, which is different types of BBTC, are addressed interchangeably. So he's questioning the integrity of the report. Now, Binance customer support came out and said, look, thanks for your question, Jesse. We'd like to clarify your understanding. You have selectively called out aspects of the proof of reserve, including details that are explicitly m- mentioned in the massage report. This causes more harm than good. And Binance then answer with a thread. In this thread, they say, the 3% gap is due to BTC loaned to customers through margin or loan programs who may have used tokens out of the report scope as collateral. So they're saying, look, we have a Bitcoin loan program where if you leave us collateral of other assets, we will allow you to borrow Bitcoin against them. And so what it seems here is that in this, what Binance is saying is that in this loan program, 3% of their Bitcoin have been loaned to customers, but that 3% is over collateralized by tokens that Mazars wasn't actually auditing because Mazars only commented on a Bitcoin balance. Jesse says, look, we're talking about two different things here. The proof of reserves is not a proof of collateral. The question is, do you have one-to-one Bitcoin in custody for each BTC in someone's balance. If you're lending BTC, that BTC comes from somewhere. And we have one, and Binance "Said, look, we have one-to-one BTC in custody for each BTC in the user's account balance. We don't loan user assets unless they specifically elect to loan the assets for saving vehicles, just like Kraken's off-chain staking product for further inquiries. So they, they, they are the other retort is they're saying, currently, the use of hot wallet signatures is limited to minimize the risk of user funds. Our security protocols randomly choose which one of our hot wallets to complete an instructed uh, movement of funds. And that's around the movement of funds. So there is a lot of fear-mongering from the press. There is a lot of fear-mongering from people in the market. Travis Kling, who we know last a lot of his fund or the majority of his fund on, on, on uh, FTX um, and said that he was going to decide what they're going to do with the rest of their business because they got wiped out. He's saying, look, I'm not trying to fear Manga, but it has to be said, if you have assets on Binance or Binance shit, take them all off now. Don't wait. Also, if you're holding BUSD, you should sell that immediately. This is coming from a guy who lost a ton of money on FTX because I misjudged the exact same setup. The way the rumor mill is cranking up around Binance right now is the exact same vibe as FTX rumors in the few days leading up to its collapse. Trusted middlemen have done a stunning amount of damage to the space just this year. We now know key leaders will deny that until they're done. I don't know how much hard evidence there is against Binance at this point, but I don't know how much hard evidence there was against FTX six days before the collapse. That's not even the point. Don't trust, verify it's different in the wake of the last year. It must be a call to action. Withdrawing assets en masse from the largest exchange in the world is a good, healthy thing. Now's the time to start doing that. I'm praying Binance passes with flying colors. And to be honest, so am I. My gut feel, and again, I'm not an auditor. I've only seen what is out there in the public. I don't have any inside information. Is My gut feel is that Binance is solved and everything is okay. But there is a lot of fear-mongering. It feels to me and I'm not the only one that says this because CZ also said this. He said, it feels to him that, let me find you this, this tweet, because I think it's, it's super important. Um, it feels to him like the press are still owned or still bought by, hey, so he says, here we go. He says, some media are still working for dot, dot, dot. So it feels to me like this is a media attack, on Binance, and why does it feel like that to me? Because okay, so you have this attack around proof of reserves, and then wh- what do we see from Reuters today? Exclusive, U.S. Justice Department is still overcharging Binance, It's still split over charging Binance as crypto world falters, and they write this whole article, and immediately Binance issue a response to the article saying, you know, yeah, let me show you the response. The response is. Um, Okay, so Binance issued a response to the article saying this is completely incorrect, and they asked the journalist to fix the inaccuracies in this Reuters article. And what this Reuters article talks about, it says, there's a split between the US Department of Justice and they're delaying the conclusion of the long-running criminal investigation into the world's largest exchange for people familiar with the matter have told Binance. So it feels like there's a squeeze on Binance. And it feels like there's a media attack on Binance, and Binance have come out and they've fought uh, against this, and they've asked the journalist who wrote it to um, to, um, to 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 uh, uh, rectify this. I'm just trying to find you guys a tweet, guys. If you could just drop the tweet in the research group where where Binance responded uh, about um, to the uh, uh, what's it called to the the Reuters reporter. So it does feel like. There's an attack. And we know that. I don't know if you guys watched the stream that we did or listened to the stream that we did this weekend on Twitter Spaces with Frank Chaparro from The Block. And what we know about that is that The Block, which is one of the most reputable crypto media outlets in the world. And the reason why I'm, I'm thinking is it's not only a crypto media outlet, but it's a credible crypto media outlet that has been shaping the way that we see crypto. For us, the block was one of us. The block for me, certainly, was always one of us. It wasn't one of them. When I say, when I say us, data, here we go. So this is this is the, here we go. Here we go. So this is from Binance's Reuters has it wrong again. Now they're attacking our incredible law enforcement team, a team that we're incredibly pr- proud of. There's over 500 people in this team. Here's a full statement that we sent the reporter and a blog about our remarkable law enforcement. So they are, they are um, re- refuting that. So I'm going back to the block. And the reason why this is important is because, as I said, the block for me was one of us. It was reputable reporting. It was reporting using crypto-native data from crypto-native people who really understood crypto not like the reporting that I get from the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times or CNBC when they report about crypto. For me, the block was always a venue where if something came out from the block, I said, hey, that is credible. But then on Friday last week, there was a story that was broken uh, about the block. It was broken by Axios. And in this story, what they uncovered was that the block, when it was brought out out from its old owner, Mike Dudas, when it was bought out from Mike Dudas by, by a management buyout. Turns out that the management buyout was actually funded by Sam Bankman-Fried Alameda and his, an Alameda. And they didn't do it in a transparent way where they bought shares in the block. They loaned money to the former CEO um, of the block. His name is Mike, uh, Mike McCaffrey. McCaffrey. Now, some background on this Mike McCaffrey character. He was the the, um, chief of staff at the block under Mike Dudas when the block started. The block started in like 2017, 2018. A great bunch of guys, young guys doing amazing things. There was one guy in charge, the CEO who founded it. His name was Mike Dudas. He's quite a volatile guy. I've had some interactions with him, quite a volatile guy, doing good things in the space now. And eventually the team led a management bar to buy him out under this guy called Mike McCaffrey. Mike McCaffrey was 24, 25 years old. He is the son of a guy called, uh, I think Simon McCaffrey is the guy's name. It's his, his dad. His dad's a very wealthy pension fund manager or hedge fund manager or one of that. He's a fund manager, very successful guy. And Mike McCaffrey raises over $30 million in the last two, three years to buy art and keep funding the block. And turns out that this money was actually loaned, loaned. So it was loaned to him by Alameda. So Alameda loans Mike McCaffrey money to buy out the old owners of the block, making Mike McCaffrey, this 24, 25 year old, the biggest shareholder in the block and the CEO of the block. And he continues running the block. Um, he continues running the block. And what came out on last week, this whole story actually exploded. Now, why did it explode last week? Well, very simple. Because in the chapter 11 proceedings of Alameda, it would have come out that they made a loan to this vehicle, which is Mike McCaffrey's vehicle. Mike McCaffrey also lives in the Bahamas. And I heard that he lives in, in the Albany, which is the same complex where SPF was living. I don't know if that's true. Anyway, so we spoke to Frank Chaparro, who's a writer, highly respected writer from the block. He says, look, we only found out about this last week. I mean, I asked him some tough questions. I was like, listen, you guys are like the best investigative journalists out there. Larry Surmack has a hobby of busting other people, of interrogating and finding source of funds, sources of funds from other projects. He's very good at it. He sometimes finds the smallest details and writes big, big articles about it. And you never questioned where your own money was coming from? How do you question everybody else's project but not question where your own money is coming from? Anyway, I think, I think based on the Twitter spaces, now go listen to the Twitter spaces. I think that Frank Chaparro is actually the one that leaked the story to, everyone, to everybody else when they found out. He didn't confirm it. You should go and listen to it. I can't tell you yes or no. But what we do know is that SPF was definitely trying to buy the media. And he even infiltrated He even infiltrated the crypto media, which I thought were, specifically, I thought the block were uninfiltratable. And it seems to me like he infiltrated um, the media. Now, strangely, yesterday I reported on something and I said, you know, it's strange to me that if you go to Mike Dudas' account, this is Mike Dudas' account. Now he's the ex-CEO of the block. There are no more tweets here. This is a guy that tweets a lot. There are no more tweets here. And so I wrote a mail and I was like, you know, it's strange to me. I wrote a tweet and I said, look, it's strange to me that we now know that the money that you were brought out with was actually SBF money and your tweets are now all deleted. Now he DM'd me and he said, you know, in my defense, I clear out my tweets every single week. That's what he says. That's what he says. So I'm not the only one who picked up on this. Um, This account, also said FTX, you know, this is my He he started to follow a whole lot of Mike's tweets showing how SPF sh- uh, shared things exclusively with the block. And it just feels like maybe, maybe, maybe the block was captured like all other media. And so right now we're possibly in the midst of a media attack on Binance. I don't know if Binance is solvent or not. As I say, I believe they are. Um, but what I will say to you is Regardless of whether you believe that Binance is safe or not, wouldn't it be better just to be in a position where you don't hold a lot of money on centralized exchanges? I mean, we've seen what happened to FTX. We've seen what happened to many other exchanges. And we've seen how helpless you are when your money is on centralized exchanges. Why not just not have unnecessary money on centralized exchanges? I keep saying it. I keep saying that an exchange is like a whorehouse, which is not so great because my, a lot of my my sponsors are exchanges. So like I'm saying I'm sponsored by a whorehouse, but I said that figuratively and why? Because I want you guys to get your money out of exchanges. I'm not saying Binance is better. In fact, I think, as I say, I think for me, Binance is the safest place you can be. And you know what? I'll even go as far as to say that even if this even if there is a $245 million hole, which is as per the Zero Hedge article or this Wall Street Journal article, even if you don't believe the Binance retort, okay, Binance still has a lot of value. So in the worst case, if there's a $250 million hole, that $250 million hole is easily pluggable with the value in the exchange that Binance has. And so truth is, I'm not really worried. If I was worried, I'd be hedging all my positions. I'd be taking out call, uh, uh, put options, but I'm not doing that. And the reason why I'm not doing that is because I'm not that worried. I think this is a media attack. It seems like a media attack. Uh, it does feel like like CZ's right in this tweet where he says, you know, some media are still actually working for SPF, not only SPF, but also a lot of the people that SPF was funding, with his election campaign donations and other donations. And it just feels like it's becoming an us versus them uh, scenario. So that's, that's where we are with the whole financing. Now, a good question is which one of these exchanges is now safe? So you know, what are you supposed to do? Because in some cases, you are going to trade on centralized exchanges because it's a great place to trade. It's a great user experience. But as I said, the idea is you trade, you do what you need to do, and you get out. And that is what blockchain was made for. And if that is the case, um, let's look at how you should be looking for the safe exchanges. So the first thing that I'd be looking at is I'd be looking at trading volume. But remember, you can't trust trading volume because there's a lot of wash volume on there. So you look at the trading volume, the trading volume will give you opportunities. It will show you what's cheap and what's not cheap, and you can see. A lot of exchanges had big drops after the FTX collapse and the FUD. One of those big drops was Kucoin. So look at Kucoin. I want to show you, I want to show you two sides of the coin here. On the one hand, Kucoin had a massive drop because there was a lot of fight against it after FTX, right? Truth is that they've just released Mazas just released a verification report concluding that BTC ETH, USDT, and USDC reserves are over-collateralized. Okay, great. So we have we have a report saying that it's overcollateralized. BitGet, another one which we have told you guys we think is safe, they released on Nansen. See if I've got it for you guys here. Um, they released on Nansen that they have verifications, that there's, there's a, uh, that, that they have um, sufficient money to cover this. Now, I want to show you something very interesting around Coinbase. When FTX went insolvent, the traffic, or the, sorry, not the traffic, but the trading volume on Coinbase actually went up. But look what's happened to the price of Coinbase. Coinbase is trading near all-time lows. And I think I really agree with this tweet. It's a brutal times for Coinbase shareholders. Coin, coin, Coinbase, Coin's second largest competitor went out of business, yet the stock responds by making new lows. You'd think the opposite. Coinbase's 10-year bond is trading at 53 cents on the dollar, which means that People are expecting that in 10 years, Coinbase won't be able to pay back its money. I don't think so, because I look at the data. Data is showing me two things. One, that Coinbase increased in volume. Two, that Coinbase is highly, highly, highly regulated and is operating by the book. And eventually, I think that those players in the centralized world will win. And the third thing that I'm seeing is the traffic, the web traffic to Coinbase, Bybit, Uh, By the way, Bybit also said users can now verify their proof of reserves. So um, KuCoin, we've had that. Binance, Bybit, we've had that. Uh, All saying that they do have a proof of reserves. So that's where we're at. I think the trades are as follows. First thing is, take off unnecessary money off exchanges. I think Binance survives this. I don't think there's any issue with Binance. But hey, in the 1% chance that there is something wrong with Binance, Why be that guy that had the opportunity or to take your money off Binance and didn't do it. Also I've told you a million times, start using decentralized exchanges and start investing in decentralized exchanges because eventually that is why we are here because we don't want centralized players. Um, Cool. Let's look. Okay, hold on. Let's just kill that. We don't want that. Uh, It's my brother looking for me. He knows where he knows I'm live. Kills me. Um, It's true. Let's quickly look at some other things. So we did look at at how the block was potentially bought. There was some more stuff on Binance. It's very important that you understand how this happens so this doesn't happen to you. You know these third-party apps that allow you, you give them your API keys, which allows you to integrate them into your exchanges, and then they can trade on your behalf, but they can't withdraw money. And every user thinks that they're safe because they sign up for you know, in this case, it was a three commas or, you know, we used to have a sponsor. I'm not going to mention their name, the sponsor that has a panel that we shall not talk about. Okay. We shall not talk about them because we had a big fallout with them. But they give you these API keys. And when you approve the API keys, you are approving that this app can trade on your behalf, right? So like, it's a bot, the bot trades on your behalf, but you're not giving it permission to withdraw and you've got a two-factor authentication on the withdrawal, okay? So how do they steal your money? Because no one knows. They say, well, if, look, if you can't withdraw the money, how do they steal the money? I'll, I'll teach you how they do it. It's simple. You've got to listen very carefully. They find an illiquid token, a token where it is so illiquid that they can push the price up easily with a little bit of money. So take a shitcoin, shitcoin, shitcoin with zero liquidity. They go onto a different exchange, right? They go onto a different exchange. They buy the coin. They then hack your th- third party software. And the third party software uses all your funds to buy up the shitcoin. And they sell their coins on the other exchange to you. Therefore, they haven't hacked your account, but they leave you sitting with a whole lot of shitcoins that they've used your money to pump and dump. That's how it works. So the next time that you're approving one of these API keys, be very, very, very careful. The other thing is when there is, um, when, yeah, so when you revoke the permission for the API keys, don't trust verify, call Binance support, make sure the keys are removed because you don't know if you've, you've said, I want to revoke permissions, but have they actually revoked permissions? Have you verified they've revoked permissions? Be careful, be careful out there. I personally don't use any more, I don't use any of these uh, third-party API trading apps at all, not worth my while, too risky. Don't want them to have access to my accounts, especially when I understand uh, how sophisticated they are and how they actually steal your money. So anyway, Binance investigated this. Um, sounds like they revoked permissions. Um, I think a coin member who was the person who said, says, what's a good alternative to Binance? Is it Bybit? As I said before, I think it's Binance. I think it's Bitget. I think it's KuCoin. But again, I think the best alternative to a centralized exchange is a decentralized exchange. That is why you came here. Take the plunge. Go to a decentralized exchange. Even, even though I think that Binance is safe, nothing to worry about. I think it's a media attack. Just in case I'm wrong. And I have been wrong once or twice before. Once or twice, but I have been wrong. You don't want to be the person who had the opportunity to get your money out and didn't. Um, Cool. So that's that. I want to talk about a whole lot of altcoin news. um, And then we're going to do some Binance giveaway, some Bybit giveaway. We also, I'm going to show you something very, very fucking cool. In fact, before we go into altcoin news, let's do this. Okay. So, you know, we have a sponsor. The sponsor is BitCasino. You know that you can use your, you know, I'm, you know this, we've spoken about them. It is a casino that allows you to bet using um crypto. You can link it out, you can link up with your MetaMask if you need to. So I'm gonna play a little game. You're to table, crypto. It's live roulette. Yeah, I can read it. I'm you free tell free. me yeah. what the number is. Well, I'm gonna put table. five dollars in the yeah. number. If I hit no, the no, number, you get the money. Right now, and then we're, we're gonna going to talk to about altcoins. So to you guys play tell play me what numbers you what number you want. Now we are going to change your little direction. And then Okay, we'll come back here and then you guys tell me what the number that you want is and and then if I get it, you write these down, write these down. I'll put $5. If you get it, you get the money. Anyway, let's talk about altcoins because that's what's important here. There's a couple of things I want to show you before we do some Bybit giveaways. The first thing I want to show you is, saw this, it's the same thesis that Chris Berniski has um, that Solana is following the ETH 2008 fractal. It is crunch time for Sol. He says this is like the biggest no-brainer trade in the world as you can see um there it is you make your own decisions i've placed my bet as if solana survives and flourishes and follows the east 2018 playbook um you guys make your own decisions do what you need to do the other thing which i did today and, and i need to tell you guys about i exited all my polka dot related positions So not all because some of them are staked, etc. But the ones that I could, I exited today. Why? Because I keep seeing this chart about developers, but I've never met or haven't met in a long time a developer working on Polkadot. So I keep seeing like weekly commits, monthly commits, but I don't see like these amazing projects on Polkadot. I don't see traction, and so for me, listen, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just uncomfortable, and if I'm uncomfortable. I'm out, and I I keep an open mind because I kind of like the tech, but I'm rather moving the money into the Cosmos ecosystem. And the reason why I'm moving from Dot into Cosmos is, and I'm not buying the Cosmos atom, I'm buying people using the Cosmos SDK, the software developer kit, the software. The reason why I'm doing that is because the two models are very similar. They both provide interchain connectivity. The only thing is that Dot you have to stake and pay to connect. And Cosmos is pretty much open to everyone. And to me, that, take the one versus the other, I'm going into Cosmos. Next bit of altcoin news. Uh, well, not really altcoin news, but uh, there is an article that says that Doquan may be hiding in Serbia. I'm just wondering when Bitboy goes to Serbia. So that's, that's the next bit of, of news. Then Axie Infinity has a heartbeat. And I'm starting to believe that this team is fighting really, 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 really hard to stay alive. So, I don't know if you're holding Axie, it might be worth continuing to hold. I don't know if I'd buy it right now, but if I was holding it and waiting for a heartbeat, there is a heartbeat on Axie Infinity. So, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Um, just another article which I read, which I think was very good. It says Ethereum has only 1K, it's only produced 1K Ethereum in the last 85 days because of, you know, ETH is now becoming deflationary. Not exactly deflationary, it's, it's, um, it's mildly inflationary because there's been very little usage on the network. But Aptos has a diluted and toxic investing schedule that releases 3.5% of the market cap every month. And this is what we said on Friday. Even if you like the Aptos technology, which by the way, I do, I'm rather going to invest in Sui or I'm going to wait until Aptos actually delivers and people drown in tokens. So that's that's another one that I wanted to share with you guys. Elon fighting the bots. He did good, but he hasn't eliminated eliminated them yet. Uh, there's still some bots. He also says tweets are going to go from 280 characters to 4,000 characters. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I don't think that should happen. I'm, I really don't think that should happen. The reason why I enjoy Twitter is because I have a very short attention span. Like, I, I'm, like for me, it's, like, it's got to be quick. And like when you start, when every tweet is a, an article, don't do it, Elon. And Elon, I know you're watching, bro. I know you watch the show. I know you watch the show. I, I know you do. Please don't do it. Um, Kujira. In the bear market, look at how the wallets are growing up and, the, and, and it's trending up. You know, we are investors in Kujira, but great update for us. Um, another piece of great news, good news. We are hosting a, you know, DCA, the show that I do with uh, James and CTO Larson. We're doing it on Twitter spaces in an hour and 25 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Someone says, big mistake, not buying Adam. Okay. Maybe, possibly, you might be right, but you also might be wrong. Uh, okay, let's quickly do some giveaways. First thing is, if you go to Bybit, they are having a campaign now. If you have an account on Bybit, unrelated to our campaign, go to Bybit and look for the fourth anniversary. They're giving away a million dollars in their fourth anniversary competition. How it works is anyone can participate. You don't have to have money in your account. Not like our competition. You spin. You go to the wheel, you spin the wheel. They're giving away an X5. They're giving away 100 um, iPhones, 100 iPhone 14s. So, okay, my first spin, I've got a grab pick series NFT. I don't need any more NFTs. My second spin, I'm getting a, I, I want the X5. If I win the X5 on this spin, I'm giving it to one of you guys. Okay, let's go. Give me the X5. Okay, I want three NFTs. You go and do what you need to do. Um, yeah, go and do what you need to do. Uh, in terms of our Bybit account, Carl, do you have the box number that we have to pick? Yeah, uh, it's box number. Do you want to guess? What do you think? It's box number two. Yeah, it's box number two. And the biggest prize is also in box number two because that's how you guys operate, right? <laughs> I bet you. Let's take the bet. I bet you. Remember, if you want to participate from now until Christmas, what I do is I select one. So box one has $1,250 in it. That's- that's big. But box number two, which is the one that they choose, always has the biggest prizes, right? Let's look at box number three. I know this game's rigged, bro. 50 bucks. That's three. Watch box number two, $5,000. Remember, the biggest prize is $50,000. And all you have to do is you have to have a buy account using our referral link with $250 in it. And you'll have an amazing Christmas. Okay, 500 is some sanity prevails for the first time ever in the history of this competition, on my show at least. Someone wants $500, but who wins $500? Let's go to the random number generator. Random number picker, there we go. And okay, which number is it that's going to be picked? You'll see it's generated by Google, not by me. Account number 411, so let's go to, who is account number 411? So we go to row number 411. And if you are account number 258, four, two, seven, eight, four, then send a mail to giveaways at cryptobanter.com. verify your identity. And someone says there's no massage from James here. Cool, so that is the Bible campaign. Lastly, lastly, as I said, I'm a man of my word. I'm a man of my word. Here we go, here we go. It is our sponsor. I'm going to... No, 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 let's let's do it. I'll show you how this works, okay? So, I mean, this is a very irresponsible thing which I'm doing now, but hell, I mean, let's have some fun here. So I'm gonna take $5, okay? Let's wait for this round to finish. I'm gonna take $5. And the winning number is 34. Park is high. number from
1: okay. So second
0: count, 10,000. I'm putting five dollars on each of the numbers 50 that 50 I'm putting numbers on. 50 on. 50 okay, so 50 on. 50 on zero, on two, on hey, hey. Hey. hey, hey, on five, 40, 40, 40, on eight. 20, right? 20, oh, god, I'm putting it everywhere. Okay. And 30, and hey, let's then, move that. Mind, ladies and gents, because is cancer,
1: right? Okay, oh man, I'm just
0: now, I'm just playing like a child. I'm just gonna put numbers here. Okay, bet's closed. So now, if you were the one who chose that number, and you were the first one to choose that number, then you get the money. You get the money, not me. 36, we didn't win. We'll try again tomorrow. If you wanna try it, sportsbet.io, one of our sponsors. Been great sponsors to us actually, really, really good sponsors. Uh, You can go and open an account below, you can win $1,000 a day. Um, and the last winner is Teddy kgb 10 You win yourself $1,000. It's already been credited to your account. Go look at your account and have an ma- amazing Christmas. Now, as I said to you before, doing our very, very, very best to keep you guys interested in this bear market. We're, doing, we're working harder than ever before to bring you guys more coverage, more frequently, more entertaining, more prizes, more sponsors um, every single day so stay with us and if you survive this till Christmas you've survived the longest bear market in Bitcoin's history and it will turn and I promise you that the moves that you make now are the ones that will make you will make you life-changing money in the next market I'll see you guys again in an hour and 20 minutes on Twitter Spaces with James and CTO Larson we will be doing a DCA show until then have fun trade well my friends James Carl wants you to end the show cuz he needs to pee very badly he ran he stormed out of here could you possibly end the show oh yeah, yeah.